Hey dear listener, Jonathan here again, very quickly this time. Just going to say that in the excitement of um, hosting our first guest here on Gaining for Riffs, I kind of lost my way as a technician and his mic was turned off for about two minutes. But anyway, after two minutes, you'll get this great relief that I got when Isaac's mic was finally turned on. So without further ado, let's head into the first instance of Gain It for Guests. Yo, yo, welcome to Gain It For Riffs. I'm your host, Ole, on the other side uh, in Stockholm. I'm hearing an unfamiliar tone. What's going on over there, John? Right, right. I did buy this guitar. Uh, actually, I didn't pay for it, and, and I don't own it. I just uh, brokered it, as you say. Yeah, and it's not only my voice either, is it? No, it's my voice too. That's correct. It's Gain It For Guests. Yes. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> and we, yeah, we are here with someone familiar to us both. Uh, it's Isaac, and he's been uh, his musical history is being on the road as a bass player for uh, indie rock outfit Blind Terry. Mm, mm. Yeah, and that's also kind of how we got to know him in the first place because uh, our drummer Bjorn was in this very same band uh, at that time, which is yeah. almost twenty years back. Like, when did you last tour? Oh, that was probably two thousand ten, I think. All right, so it's past a decade right yeah. now. And Welcome, yeah, Isaac. So good to have you. Uh, yeah, nice I'm, I've, I've, uh, I guess that you're going to riff for us also later in the episode. Uh, uh, I will. I, I wow. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm hearing two, two voices and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's quite a new thing for me here. Normally it's only John on the other side and uh, his guitar and now it's uh, two voices plus. Isaac's guitar, which, of course, uh, John brokered, uh, which makes it extra yeah. special. Right. And I just wanted to ask you quickly about your uh, riff story and with the, like maybe the first time you became familiar with the concept of a riff and maybe even uh, what that particular riff could have been. Uh, the first time I really got hooked on a riff must have been David Bowie's uh, Rebel Rebel. I was about 10 or something. All right. Can you play you, that? Just hearing it. No, no, I can't play it. <laughs> but, but just hearing it. Yeah. And what kind of hooked you with with that riff? Could you hum it? Do 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 do. All right. I don't know. It's something about it that just hooks your soul and yeah, makes you happy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. And uh, it's uh, definitely a riff as mm. well. That's a typical riff. But uh, yeah, we do a lot of plock riff in way before we did gain for riffs. We had this concept of plock riff, which is actually you know plucked chords mm. and not at all riffs. To most ears or people, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, that's kind of how we roll. Uh, indeed, we do. Um, I got like I started plucking a little bit here on my uh, <laughs> guitar, and uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about it. I mean, I've been um, uh, looking at my son. Uh, yeah, I often talk about him here on the pod, or not so often, but sometimes. And he just started signing, making signs for music. He walks over to the record player, and he kind of uh, puts his finger up like um, a conductor. And that is his sign for music. Then he wants music. 
And then when the music starts, he makes it even more like uh, in this up and down fashion with his fingers. And he bobs his head, you know, like uh, really like <laughs> grooving to the music. And I think it starts very early, this recognition of um, uh, music, but also like rep- the repetition, you know, which is uh, uh, has a lot to do in music, but also in riffs, especially. So th- this is a, is a nice question you ask. Yeah, and I th- we didn't even ask ourselves this, like first, the fir- very first riff. Oh. I think for me it must have been probably Kinks. Uh, mm. really got me. I think it was the first riff that I got into. And oh yeah, I talked about it in a, in a deleted episode, this Pete, Pete Gunn team, this Blues Brothers <laughs> riff. Oh, yeah. So those two probably, right? But there were so many riffs so early on because my dad listened to Dwarves and, and Beatles and, and Hendrix and stuff. So there was riffs all around since forever, basically. Uh, Ulle, do you remember? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, my brother bought uh, a Pantera record, uh, but and we we went to Orleans uh, <laughs> in uh, Stockholm city, and we each bought a CD because we we realized that that was a thing. So he bought a Pantera, <laughs> right. uh, and I bought uh, Roxette. So my first riff was probably Joyride or something like this. You know, like Per Gessle. <laughs> On the yeah, we did mention Roxette. I, I think it was an Indian Tombed episode or something like that. Mm. We, we talked about this uh, dichotomy of Pantera and Roxette in, yeah. in, among the Scherner brothers, Scherner bros. Yeah, and I mean, one uh, one uh, type of music, uh, one over the other, I may say. But I, I still dig uh, Roxette so. from, uh, when I hear it on the radio or whatever. Um, but yeah. So what about today? Uh, today, I, I thought... Um, I'd start uh, a bit just so, so uh, Isaac can get into the, the groove of things. If that's okay with mm. you, Isaac? Yeah, that works. Yeah, all right. But then uh, uh, no more talking and let's uh, get riffing. was a full song almost right <laughs> almost, first, almost. Riff, f- f- first riff was really interesting really cool feeling in it uh, is like do you have any spontaneous guesses here i have no idea <laughs> i was tr- sitting here trying to figure something out but no it's probably something obscure again what i usually do when i can't figure it out is try to at least explain what i could connect it mm-hmm. to like what do you hear in terms of ba- bands or names in this style in this style well, I know so few, you know. I know the big ones. Yeah, and I think I hear one of the big ones in it. It has that, you know, it's that Black Sabbath yeah, style yeah. yet again, or that stonerish rock style. Yeah, but this feels more contemporary in a way. True, true. Mm. So we're getting closer. I think Ole might be able to help us out from here. Yeah, so I was, uh, we were talking about the band um, a 
couple of episodes ago, uh, and I've been I've been like wondering: should I bring them? I mean, I have a maybe a lot to say, but there's not there's not so much riffage going on in them normally. You would think you would expect there to be, but there's a lot of just like power chords all over the place. And I mean, even their biggest songs, they are like two chords, super simple. But then <laughs> I uh, remembered this song that has such a uh, it's an opener of uh, one of their albums. And it has this uh, very nice, calm riff in the start. And um, a very nice lyric that kind of is all about, uh, you know, well, drugs and comic books and space. (laughs) (laughs) Really kind of of common themes in this kind of music. Getting somewhere here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Guessing, guessing. No, it's hard. I, I really am. I'm out of, out of guesses. Yeah. All right. So we we got the uh, powerful uh, and uh, once in upon a time famous and once upon a time thin frontman Dave Vindorf. Oh, okay. Monster, Monster Magnet. Magnet. Monster Magnet. Yeah, right. uh, I've I've heard the name. Yeah, so this that would was... have been a reasonable <laughs> choice. Yeah, Isaac, you, you may have been on one of those park hangouts when we listened to Power Trip with the I'm never gonna work. Another, Another day, day in, in my, my life. life. The, the gods God told me to relax, and I'm gonna right. get fixed up all right. Yeah, it's like uh, it was an anthem for uh, <laughs> you know, like my future. It kind of turned out that way. <laughs> I'm trying very hard not to work. <laughs> you know, it, but that's not like it totally. You know, like you you think going into the arts or music <laughs> you're not gonna work but you're working you're working you harder work, than everyone yeah. else because you're not making money <laughs> you have to work okay, double exactly um, it's super hard to survive on but can be fun from time to time uh, yeah. so i've tried that too for a few years yeah and he's like uh, like uh, what's no, your I, what's your connection to uh to this type of stoner rock or 90s is it something that was just sometimes played yeah, in your basically, I, I listened to more punk when I was a kid with uh, Iggy and the Stooges and mm. stuff like that. Right, right. But you can definitely find traces of that within it, but yeah. I think Iggy and the Stooges, they made more a point of hitting you hard and straight, mm-hmm. not so much leaning back and grooving out. It's not mm. really that, uh, there's not, not much weed in their music, <laughs> it's more like, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar to Straight I, Edge. I, I, I've been to a Queen of the Stone Age concert once at Hultsfred. That's, All right. that's maybe something. Probably the one we addressed when me and Victor <laughs> were so <laughs> angry at Mark Lanigan. <laughs> What's he doing there? <laughs> I don't so, such, so much year. contempt. <laughs> Big have, contempt in there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like just oh, to oh, recite the opening um, lyrics because uh, it's, I think it's so good. Waking up I watch another sun go down, another day spent underground in my world of pills. And I was thinking how the world should have cried on the day Jack Kirby died. I wonder if I'm ill. Uh, so it's like, it, this is really Dave Windorf in, uh, he frames himself up really nicely. I mean, he is this uh, uh, pill popper who reads comic books all day and like occasionally writes a whole record and then records it and then goes on tour. That was his life for a long time. Yeah. And he's describing him, himself, you know. And, the, yeah. and it's not always like a, um, a completely pl- problem-free uh, life. Definitely not for him. But I think he kind of hits some kind of nerve with this. Uh, sure, 
Thanks. And I have, I have an instant reflection. Like the first lyric I ever wrote was, I was not a pop a pill popper <laughs> at the time. You know, I was uh, 16. So mm. I, I had had my occasional first few drinking parties. That's it. But I, mm. I like to sit up all night. So I, I had experience waking up and the sun is already going down. Yeah. Uh, just like the start of this song. And that was my first uh, attempt at lyricism in, uh, during day one in my old band canopy that mm. we talked about before. So it, it definitely hits a nerve for me at least, right? Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, this was after uh, God Says No album. And uh, the tour uh, the, concept, the, the tour that followed that, I actually saw them in Stockholm. It was my second concert after Iron Maiden. And <laughs> it was perhaps like the uh, most, uh, you know, like I was kind of thrust in this world. Like in a very short amount of time, I went to see a lot of bands, you know, at 16. And was kind of thrust into this world of uh, heavy metal and uh, rock. And I was really sold on it. So I tried to go to as many uh, concerts as possible. And and uh, the um, an opening for Monster Magnet was also uh, Spiritual Beggars, another favorite band of mine at that time. Uh, so it was a really like a double bill uh, situation, super hyped. And when Monster Magnet came on, they had this... Uh, psychedelic background projections you know like velvet underground might have had back in the day and they then for uh, <laughs> their which leads me into something <laughs> that for like space lord one of their biggest hits they brought in uh, two strippers as well on stage which you wouldn't see today right. but this was around no, 2000 so uh, and i was 16 it, it was uh, magic let's say yeah <laughs> It sounds cool. <laughs> sounds pretty cool. I mean, strippers on stage, that's something more 80s metal vibe, right? Mm. We uh, recorded a shit ton of, of, of uh, our Maiden talk very recently, mm. which will be the next episode. And we didn't mention that they used a, a stripper on stage way back in the 80s. Oh, really? And it was, yeah, it was Iron quite Maiden. a controversy. Yeah, it was quite a controversy in the song 22 Acacia Avenue that we did talk about. And, and, uh, and Bruce was, uh, well, young and stupid. So I think he snapped off the bra at the end. Which mm. ended up costing our um, maiden several thousand dollars, and they were sued. Mm. <laughs> All right, All yeah. right. Because she won this competition, you know, get on stage with the band, ah. play the stripper so, part. So she wasn't really a stripper. <laughs> no, <laughs> and she played the stripper part. Yeah, that wouldn't happen today, would it? I don't know. It, it's uh, not always. I mean, it's kind of common in this uh, podcast that uh, we bring stuff that we do, we don't have any uh, prior knowledge of, but. Um, and then you, I don't know, the, how, how do you react to this riff? I'm going to play the, the first riff again. That's like the riff that I brought. The other one is just kind yep. of, yeah, what happens mm. later. Um, also kind of showcasing how uh, non-riffage this band is often. Let's see. I'm just going to play a, a short... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, but I get some connection to almost Led Zeppelin and mm. and things like that. Right. Mm. With a bluesy in a way. Yeah, it's very bluesy. And yeah. uh, of course, it's like drenched in um, effects. I, I try, I have the, this yeah. delay pedal, so I, I, t I make an attempt. But it's also like a, a, a flang, uh, what's it called? Flanger. Flanger. Wait, mm. what's, it, what's it called, actually? 
I've heard both, flanger yeah, okay. and flanger. Maybe it's tomato, tomato. Yeah, potato, Flon- potato. Flanger. It's a flanger. Who says potato? <laughs> I don't know. Who <laughs> says potato? Potato. Well, what is a flanger, actually? That's, um, that maybe you can... It's a, it's a modulation of, of pitch in, in a certain time. Mm-hmm. Just like chorus and, and wah. I mean, wah is... You, you, um, it's a, wah is a modulation of frequency, and this is more like a little bit more advanced with pitch. So chorus okay. has that effect of, you know... It gets like a multi-layer, but the flanger is like a slower chorus. Mm. So it's more of this, you know, jet engine starting kind of. Exactly. <laughs> that type of tempo to it. But of yeah. course it can be set to different tempos too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, Monster Magnets, uh, Dave Windorf's uh, brainchild. He's the, the most interesting member for sure, the, the main man uh, himself. He had, he was almost good looking in the 90s. Uh, he had, <laughs> like, he looked a bit like a, a satanic, uh, he looked like Satan in human form. You know, he had long black hair, hair totally straight, a very pointy nose, and a yeah. miniature <laughs> mustache and a small goatee, you know, that was kind of yeah. looked like it was Devilish. drawn on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Devilish, like a, a witch lord, the lord of witches. Or something. Sound, yeah. Sounds almost cartoony in a way, right? Yeah, mm. but he had that uh, he had that style, and he, you know, like in the nineties, you also when you do the the photo, when you take the photo band photos, you kind of uh, dial up the saturation, so like the shadows are like blue and the skin is yeah. green, you know, like in, you really he right. really looks like a comic book uh, character. Yeah. Um, and he, he was very thin also. I mean, he, he kind of hardly ever ate, but then he kind of, at, in the mid-2000s, he stopped taking drugs, and what happened was he got extremely fat, like uh, very fast. Um, so I saw them later also. The first time I saw them, he like had a six-pack almost, you know, and uh, like an open um, leather vest and leather pants. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I saw him, he had a hoodie and, you know, like baggy jeans. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it really like reality kind of hit him hard there, you know, uh, in between. But he was a. They were pretty big. They were uh, touring with Metallica. They were touring with uh, Marilyn Manson. Uh, they were touring with Mar- mm. Marilyn Manson and Hole. Uh, and on that uh, tour, mm, uh, Marilyn and um, Courtney Love got into a really like violent beef, I think, and. Uh, Hole I can just see that happening. Yeah, the whole <laughs> kind of I, I can see jumped off the tour and um, beef with, with uh, her. Yeah, yeah. Mm. for sure. Uh, do you uh, have yeah. a? Do you know? A, do you, are you familiar with Courtney Love and uh, uh, Hole? Isaac? Hole. Yes, I've listened to Hole. My my older sister played a lot of Hole. Okay, same here actually. Yeah. My older sister also yeah. listened to that. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Pink, some good songs. That Pink I, album. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called. Pink album. No, I don't remember either. Sadly. I'd like to try a Monster Magnet riff too, now yeah, that I'm do it. here with the acoustic. See if I can. I never really played it. You know, it's not much more to it. Yeah. <laughs> the power grip riff. But it's a really good. Um, the. There's stuff in your pocket for the last hundred days. 
Don't get my bath, I'll take it out on the slaves So grease up your baby for the ball on the hill Polish them rockets now and swallow those pills And I say, oh Space Lord Mother Mother He has some really good delivery, actually. I think actually. that's in, in a series called Probably Spung, right. <laughs> when they are really freaking out. Uh, yeah. uh, Swedish youth series. Uh, yeah, yeah, Spung. They wanted to call it Spunk, but they couldn't. Oh, what, 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 yeah, yeah. Did it use this song, or does it, did it sound like that song? No, I think it's that song, because I, I, I recognize that, yeah. that Mother Mother thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a nice one. Yeah. Uh, but I it, attempted to play Power Trip, but it led you straight into Space Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Power Trip, how is that one? But they're all, uh, they're all super simple. Uh, Power Trip yeah. is the same figure, you know. It's also... Dun, 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 dun. So it's also like hardly riffs. It's more mm. like actual beats, you know, or um, patterns. Comp, but but I think, I think uh, to his, like, what he does great, is he has a really good voice. And, like, delivery, delivery is very precise with how he phrases uh, everything. And he, uh, I think there is kind of where the melodies are, like, in his... Uh, in his singing rather than in the riffage. I mean, yeah. um, if you would like determine like how they, the sound of Monster Magnet is that they have these kind of uh, big chords and uh, then the solos are, you know, just like thrills around the 15, 17 uh, fret on the uh, high E string. You know, I don't, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, but with like tons of delay. Um, that's kind of the the sound that they go for, and then there is this, uh, I think, yeah, really good lyrics that I really uh, uh, stuck with early on. So I was really, I'm really a fan of um, uh, his singing style. Um, also, it's uh, very '90s sounding. I think immediately, like uh, for example, using a lot of effects and stuff and stuff like that, it was part of the sound. And uh, also, when you play it now, the other day, me and Isaac like, were listening to um, Atomic Swing. Mm. Oh, yeah, Bossa Nova Swap Meet uh, that I recently purchased on, on, on my vinyl. And uh, it's uh, you can hear some similarities there, especially in your adaptation, since you have a little bit of that in your sound, like mm. the way you sing and play. <laughs> so yeah. you, you feel the 90s, definitely, yep. in this. It's a 90s rock band, right? More mm -hmm. so than a stoner band, oh. I would say. Uh, definitely. I, I think that uh, they also kind of, they went from, I mean, the kind of, I could take a just short example of... Uh, 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 from their song uh, Super Judge of the album Super Judge, which has all these um, uh, more Hawkwind, uh, Black Sabbath uh, riffing, go riffage going on. <laughs> I had to change my... I said riffing, riffage. <laughs> <laughs> the only podcast for riff. Yeah. Uh, so like that That went, you know, like that was, you know, a bit more, yeah, to the stoner rock style and they were even, you know, hailed as uh, underground phenomena early on making these like 32-minute songs. But the, I think they kind of uh, just like decided, now we will go, we will, we will get it, we will have hits. We will play it to big crowds want to tour the world and uh, they simplified the formula and I think they did it um, successfully but I, it's just um, 
Uh, also, kind of the way that if you, if you, yeah, we mentioned him, uh, or we mentioned Queens of the Stone Age, that they went from, uh, or he was, um, Josh Homme was playing in Caius, which have more of this, uh, you know, more of a stoner rock vibe, and then making more mainstream approachable songs in uh, Queens of the Stone Age. You know, a similar uh, trajectory. Uh, many there. bands do. Many bands do. Mastodon, uh, like last week, oh, yeah. they simplified it. And, you know, uh, that's the thing also when you get up on bigger stages. Uh, I think this was Devin Townsend that said this, that when you get up on a big stage rather than a small club stage, all your complicated riffs are lost, mm. you know, in this arena mm. type sound. Oh, yeah. Suddenly you want to play, you know, like... Uh, Because that works really well <laughs> on a huge PA system, right? Mm. It really translates over over a big over a big arena. So I think mm. bands that get on bigger stages tend to simplify their riff work. Yeah, but I'd like to ask you, Isaac, uh, since I'm a yeah. big fan of Blind Terry. I mean, even since, uh, all when we saw you live, but also recently, I got handed two songs that were never released. Um, oh, which I really you might have dug. heard more than me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know awesome. if you're playing on it, but I remember because you were playing the bass in this band. Yeah, and uh, what what ki- what kind of um, when when you approached um, bass playing in uh, Blind Terry, what was your yeah, what was your approach? Uh, back then, I wasn't that good. I I would say so. I just tried to find a good sound for the song and just play the play the the notes that would fit mm. i couldn't really do much but they they liked my style and i was always on beat and right right it's kind of where many bass players in in rock music uh, early in early days they fail on being on the beat you know they're they're mm. preoccupied with the trickstery <laughs> while not even <laughs> serving the song so probably you were like a very wanted bass player yeah in that band yeah, probably, and and I had the the place where we rehearsed the the rehearsal studio oh, was was key. mine. <laughs> that's so key. yeah, that's how many drummers end up in bands. <laughs> you know? Oh, he's not a great drummer, but he has this <laughs> rehearsal space yeah. with the drum kit. <laughs> we could just put our speakers there, and we're off, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we we jammed uh, like uh, a few times over the years. I've been like visiting yeah, your have. rehearsal spaces and just like jamming out or just like maybe sitting in the couch listening and I must say you have a great tone when you play uh, the bass but would you consider yourself a bass player or a guitar player? We talked about this the other day and uh, well I I always play bass in bands but Mm. I never play guitar or bass uh, by myself so I I would say I'm both. Yeah and I think like you, you do have a good pitch but Isaac's main like score is the the tight rhythm so a rhythm guitar player i would yeah, say that maybe. can also definitely handle a bass guitar yeah and now you've been getting into a little bit of lead work too right since you got the new guitar yeah yeah i have i since i started listening to you guys i've been playing more and more nice uh, yeah good effect yeah yeah, yeah. well it's so, nice with ole saying that he's working hard on it and uh, that made me work harder too so yeah uh, yes. wow that's so nice to hear. Uh, I mean, it's really been for me this every week a new song, you know, or every week a, a new set of riffs, mm-hmm. um, sometimes leads even. Uh, it's really like um, pushing, pushing me into becoming better, you know, like it's, it's a slow, slow train, <laughs> but yeah. it's uh, picking up speed. <laughs> you know, but yeah. uh, 
I feel um, I feel it's super nice to hear, and I, like it's also that's what I like so much about having you on the show because we talked about this for a long time. You wanted to be a, a guest, and we wanted you to to join um, as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really something I can see for this pod going forward that we have more guests and that bring their own expertise because yeah, we can't play everything, right, Yunis? Yeah, and also we don't we had we don't have all the experience, right? You notice as we oh. go that a lot of it leans back to what did we buy in in high school, or what did we what did yeah. we receive as a gift in high school? You know, which is great. I think it's great because that's our story, right? Or our riff history, <laughs> yeah, if you will. And uh, yeah, that's why in really to get everywhere we need guests because we haven't been everywhere. We're not gonna go everywhere. <laughs> you know, we definitely have our our path, which uh, of course uh, compared like. Um, in between just us two is also different so yeah but uh, the more the merrier I guess mm. are you ready uh, for some Isaac riffs or you have uh, more material on, on well I was language? just a short I would be remiss uh, not to play like my favorite uh, chord based riff of this band so uh, yeah <laughs> Tractor. I got a nail in my arm. <laughs> yeah, I got a nail in my head, and I know that I'm gone. When I'm driving a tractor on a drug farm, I got a knife in my back, got a hole in my arm. When I'm driving a tractor on a, a drug, drug farm. farm, get down. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite song by this band. <laughs> well, it's all about this. I mean, it's kind of uh, you. You you hear uh, you you know you know what kind of band this is. You know. You uh, you get that feel feel for them very early on, and uh, I think they always kind of stuck to it. Although after uh, God says no, or you had you had neg- this is quite good, um, just a very short tirade here. <laughs> good um, titles on their first couple of records. The first one was called Spine of God. Then you have um, Super Judge, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Uh, mm-hmm. Power Trip and God Says No. And then their next one was called Monolithic Baby. And I think it just went downhill from there. And <laughs> since then, I, they only make strip joints type of music, you know. Monolithic uh, Baby and then uh, coming in with Shark Sandwich. Yeah, Shark Sandwich. <laughs> but I, I would say, I would if I would set a uh, genre uh, name, like what, what are they playing? They're playing like strip club music. It's like perfect right. for that. <laughs> greasy so, uh, greasy yeah, it's, rock it, it's simple to dance to but yeah I enjoyed it and um, yeah I, I didn't want to get too deep today because I um, I want to hear more from our esteemed guests so um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy uh, with what I did so All right. thank you so much So as it usually seems to go from one place to another, yeah. and I have no clue where. 
I usually know, right? I know after you finish your part, what's coming next. And I can make a little quick comparison at the best of my abilities. But now I'm going to have to send the ball over to our guest. Yeah, but this is going to be something completely different. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go. Nice. There you go. Good Good up a parking lot. Yes, you got it. Big hotel, a boutique, and a swing hot spot. No? Yeah, yeah, it's correct. Nice. What is it? It's a big yellow taxi. Johnny Mitchell. Yes. Nice. Good that you're here, Ole. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that before, that you may know a little bit more about. Yeah, I wanted Ole to be here for this. Yeah. I've been super hyped, actually, to bring... Joni Mitchell into the show because she's a mm-hmm. like wonderful guitar player, but um, but I I I I just look at it and it like looks very difficult. Um, mm. But yeah, it, some some tell songs me more. are. <laughs> well, she has a when you played uh, Nick Drake earlier, she and him has a lot in common, I would say. Yeah, with with all the different tunings and finger pickings and all that jazz. <laughs> mm. Sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in um, to go to this riff again, like uh, just the first rhythm figure. <laughs> It's, it involves um, capo on the second fret yes. and then a few nice chords, I guess, within... It's an open D. Open D. I, oh, I right. Would. Yeah, so like Nick Drake, you have retuned the guitar as well. Yes, I have. Yeah, and that makes it hard for me to um, analyze it <laughs> theoretically, but <laughs> yeah, let's just too. say it grooves, it grooves sweet. <laughs> yeah. And where is so, it from? What's the origin, origin of this? Of this? Well, yeah. she was born in Canada. And I thought it would suit this guitar since it's also right. from Canada. Made in Canada. So yeah, and uh, <laughs> this song came out in 1970, 1970. Mm. Yeah, on her album. Uh, I gotta look that up. It was called Ladies of the Canyon. Ladies the of the album. Canyon. Good, good title. Yeah. Almost a Monster Magnet compatible <laughs> title. <laughs> after oh, after space tracking, and then you got Ladies of the Canyon. Mm. Right. Space yeah, and she was a. <laughs> She she didn't like to see herself as a singer-songwriter back then, but I read this interview that she just did the other day, and now, now she's okay with it. It's like, yeah, I was a singer-songwriter and a folk singer. And yeah. mm-hmm. Coming to terms with... Uh, mm, yeah, <laughs> but she never really liked that, that spotlight. She got really big with this song and her following album after this. Mm. It's called Blue. Yeah. Right, which is a really good album. And when did mm-hmm. when did you discover this this music? Oof, I must have been twenty something, twenty one, twenty two, when I started listening to to her. And really, that album Blue is the one I've been listening. Well, that was pre Spotify. Yeah, some, it was, did someone bring it out? Or it must have been my dad. I think it was when I I overtook or I yeah my uh, uncle gave me a lot of his old vinyls, mm. and then I found this. 
It's the right way to, to find to it. Yeah. And what about you, Ole? Yeah, it's more like I haven't really started listening, you know, professionally to Johnny Mitchell, <laughs> but I had this uh, urge lately. I mean, I haven't even gone to the record store um, in a few months because I've been COVID quarantining a little bit. But this is actually on my list, uh, Blue, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I've been, you know, listening to it. There was. Uh, Quite some time ago, where Rick Beato did a run through through one of her songs, and it just was so okay. amazingly uh, intricate and advanced, uh, but also sounded so. Um, uh, well, it, it was not forced at all. It's just like very, very nice. Um, yeah, I like I like the way she she makes music. She doesn't really follow the rules. No. She said that some some someone told her that yeah, you can't use like two sus chords after each other well look at me i'm gonna use three so <laughs> yeah i i heard uh, uh i was listening to uh the philip and Fredrik podcast and uh mm-hmm. then Fredrik was talking about when he was interviewing joni mitchell uh and she was totally uncompromising and was would just talk about sus chords nothing oh, else yeah, and he, yeah, he just yeah. uh <laughs> He didn't understand anything because he's a, he was a moron. So he just wrote that, yeah, she's uh, she's playing guitar and she's in town. That was the whole uh, article. Okay. But she she has that uh, you know total nerdery going on, right? Yeah, very uncompromised way of fantastic conducting herself. Yeah, but she was friends with the whole gang that Jonathan likes more. Maybe the the Crosby Still Nash gang. Mm. At least more familiar. Yeah. 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 And she wrote a song on my favorite album by them, uh, on the Deja Vu album. Mm-hmm. It's called Woodstock. Yeah, I, Woodstock, I yeah, because ah. she missed it. So she wrote the song instead. Yeah. It's part of that A side, which is complete killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the B side too, actually. Mm-hmm. Great album, Deja Vu. Similar mm-hmm. era, I think, like possibly two or three years after this one. Yeah, but coming back to the <laughs> the tunings, I, I saw an interview with her and she said that Nash always called her the, the Martian. Because yeah, she would retune the guitar and then he picked it up and he was like, "Ah, oh, the Martian's been here again." <laughs> he had to retune it again. Yeah, yeah but in his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's also written a, written a song about him when he has a song where he sings about a constant northern star or something, mm. and she goes, "Oh, you're as constant as a northern star. What's that? Where's that at? If you want, might be in the bar or something like that." <laughs> really good diss. Yeah. Yeah. She's a cool, but, cool lady. So she was part of the Laurel Canyon gang. This uh, very particular sound of the seventies or sixties, seventies, mm. from a very, very like uh, uh, psychogeographical point of interest. Like they were all living in this canyon called Laurel Canyon mm-hmm. and making music in each other's houses and uh, you know sleeping with each other, taking drugs together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this kind of sound that you recognize. Or like Jackson Brown, were, were they dating mm-hmm. at some point also? Mm-hmm. Or? Could, could it be? Yeah, I know Jackson Brown. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> were they were they together, she and uh, jo- uh, he and Joan uh, Mich- Mitchell? I don't know. She or? talked about that free love thing too. Like, yeah, it was free for the men, but maybe not so much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Free love for men only. Yeah. Mm. In ah, retrospect yeah, at least, but yeah. I mean, that was a problem overall with this um, 68 movement. That mm-hmm. It was, you know, a lot about freedom, but for, for a few. Yeah. You know, for a yeah. few that really were born uh, in the right circumstances, mm. let's say. Mm. So, you know, 
the hippie movement had uh, had its time and it had its end. Yeah, I but she got, reason. she got pretty fed up with it and moved back to Canada and just, yeah, did music at times, but started painting more and more. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it any good? Uh, her paintings? Yeah. It's mainly landscapes of Canada. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice. But yeah, she's nice. good, I would say. Um, but... Yeah, it's been like a thing I've been thinking about uh, doing this podcast. Uh, we've been look, we've been looking all over for cool riffs, and uh, it's been hard to find uh, female riffers. Yeah, and um, it might tie into this, like the the this free love for men, like you know the the male uh, the the patriarchal uh, grip of the guitar, like really holding on to. This instrument and the riff as like a very male thing. Um, yeah, you know, I've been looking at uh, like and uh, like the Wilson sisters in the heart, like the Barracuda riff. Maybe that will come later. Right. But it's also like, okay, is that the one? Is that the only one? I mean, it's uh, it seems it seems silly first. Like, uh, why aren't there any female guitar players on this show? But it's really hard to find um, riffers, and uh, it makes yeah. me yeah, a bit yeah. um, hmm, thinking about that. And I, I don't know what's your take. I looked at Barracuda, but then I thought they had this male guitar player as well. Maybe he wrote the riff and, and mm. so on. And, you know, I don't want mm. a piggyback situation either. Like, uh, it has to be the, the origin of the riff. So I also had some troubles. Uh, I mean, when I was starting out playing guitar, I had this wish, like, why can't I see any female shredders? Mm-hmm. And not that I shred, but I just wanted to see it. And that wish has come, like, subsequently has come true, right? So now we have tons of great shredding uh, female guitar players. Gina Gleason. Not, and, uh, yeah. You know, Gleason, for example, yeah, and um, also Anita Strauss, uh, and uh, you know, unknown YouTubers mm. all over the world, like you know, young young girls playing shredding Judas Priest stuff and so forth, which is yeah. great. But it doesn't bring it to gain for riffs mm. because they need to have these iconic riffs, or at least the riffs that I feel I can uh, dissect and talk about. And that's been a little bit tougher to find, but uh, uh, there's hope for that for sure. Mm. Uh, but it maybe. Also, like yeah, I've been looking like at now, now contemporary guitarists like Saint Vincent. Uh, but the problem with her music is that it's very, it's extremely complex and a bit reminiscent of Joni Mitchell. That it, it, it maybe it like tries to tries very hard in a way to sound different than what the the guys are playing. I don't know. This sounds it just comes from like now. I haven't thought about it that much. But uh, Isaac like when you play do you have any other uh, you know any other songs from Joni? Yeah, I know one more song by her, but then okay. I got to retune the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but right. but I can do that. It will yeah, be but, pretty fast. Uh, but your take on uh, on on my uh, musings, on my ramblings? On your ramblings about her or in, oh, in general? But general, like this, why aren't there any uh, female riffers? Or why aren't yeah. there too many? It's hard to know why. Well, we talked about it the other day, like Dolly Parton. Is that riff, is, is, is she making riffs or is she just making awesome music? That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dolly Parton came <laughs> up and I, mm. I like to compare her to the levels of like uh, Beethoven and, mm. and, and Bach and that kind of you know that kind mm. of basically like uh, godlike level of composing. Mm. Yeah, she's definitely up there, but uh, she's not a riffer. Mm. <laughs> that's for sure. I think she could dig riffs, but uh, that's not her approach. Is no. It? But that goes for many g- guys that I listen to, guys and gals. That maybe it's not starting with riffs, but in this show we could 
possibly make them riffs. Yeah, but I'm thinking back to the 60s and like you said, like you want to stand out in a way maybe as a girl. Yeah. Because if you do the same thing as the guys, you're going to be judged even harder. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that when, when we talk about that, that maybe you feel also like that race is already so much up and running. Mm -hmm. So rather than catching up with that, maybe you want to do your own race. Mm, yeah. Have your own trip, uh, so to speak. And uh, uh, I would probably do it like that too. So Isaac is going to retune his guitar. Nice. And, uh, we can riff in the, in, the, in the middle, I guess. me like and then I don't know the next chord so I'll go back I'm a lot of bed and stumble to the kitchen pour myself a cup of ambition yawn and stretch and try to come to life jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets the traffic starts jumping with folks like me a job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taking and no giving And it just use your mind And they never give you credits It's enough to drive you crazy If you let it Oh yeah <laughs> Working nine to, to five. five Fucking great no song way to make a living Yeah and I mean, uh, speaking of Dolly Parton, there's many good songs there, right? On on a level of, uh, you know, absolute monster hits. Mm. Yeah, the um, song. I will did you write you. Uh, Islands in the Stream? Yeah, yeah, you did right. Ah, we, we no, it's Cre uh, Chris Christopherson, maybe. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I, I know she wrote a lot of big songs, right? And she talked about when she heard uh, the Whitney Houston version of "I Will Always Love You." Mm. On the radio, it popped oh, yeah. up, and, and she, how happy she was with the version. Like she really felt that it was still as much her song being played. Like it, it hadn't been taken over; it had just been perfected, in a sense. Uh, um, with that I, large version. Exactly. I mean, yeah, for sure. She w worked hard to get where she is. I mean, now she has uh, the Dolly Parton land, the Dolly Land, like like a Disney uh, <laughs> Disneyland, yeah. but with Dolly Parton. Uh, which is apparently totally like sustainable and uh, really good. Uh, people are really well paid. It's like the opposite <laughs> of what Disney yeah. is going on. I like that. <laughs> Pretty much. Or like a Neverland, but without the dodgy parts. Mm. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So Isaac is now finished retuning his guitar. And I realized like Nick Drake would have needed us two sitting and talking <laughs> while he was retuning to avoid that, <laughs> to avoid the strange pause. Another Joni Mitchell riff? Yeah. Yeah. Go. Oh, thank you.
something like that. Sweet riff. Yeah, it's a sweet riff. Very melodic. Beautiful. Yeah, I think it's Beautiful, I have to say. inspired by Blackbird, by, by the Beatles. I can right. hear the similarities right. between them in a, in a way. That finger The same album or? Different? No, this is from Blue. Blue. This song is called... Okay, so is it uh, after or before? Case of You. Uh, almost. I think she wrote them like the same time. Oh, okay. Because it's 70, 71. So of the exact she, same she, era. Yeah, it's hard to say which, which song she wrote first. Have you heard this song, Ole? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, it felt also I was I was closing. I, my, I closed my eyes when I was listening to your beautiful playing, uh, and I thought of how how much emotion is um, is uh, you know comes through in in these chords yeah. and in the way they're played. And it's like it's all you really need. You almost don't need singing to it. But I, I can imagine the the yeah, singing the is great as well. Hand, she she talks about people doing covers of her songs and mm. that she often feels that they fall flat because they don't put the the right emotions into the words that that is the, the that is uh, the words of a true uh, uh, perfectionist right yeah yeah but also true. probably and true she, probably right yeah, yeah and and she really is a perfectionist she talks about she doesn't really like listening to her old albums because she only thinks about like no i should have done this instead and mm. Ah, why? Why did I sing that note this way? And, yeah, so oh. true perfectionist for sure. But it is like the equivalent of me being at an after ski and the band playing or playing "Sweet Child of Mine," but they they <laughs> they can't play the intro, so they're just playing Not chords. Even. That's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I've said that before that that's probably good because that intro played even the slightest bit out of tune, which is easily happening in that position mm. on an electric or, on unless Paul. It sounds so bad. It's like that sound of uh, walking into a guitar center <laughs> and someone is playing. <laughs> so, what is this terror carousel? Where is it taking me? <laughs> Stop playing guitar now and never start again. <laughs> Remember when you play the electric? Remember this um, instrument, musical instrument, the saw. When you play on the saw, that's what it yeah, sounds yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, then they should start that instead. You know, yeah, yeah, I would exactly. rather hear them play the saw. <laughs> saw center. <laughs> Go to a, like a saw center workshop <laughs> store. <laughs> People are playing the saw. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Isaac, yeah. please go on. Yes. Force uh, to action. <laughs> yeah. Where did well, I, I didn't leave mind. off? <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting since you also are a painter and a musician. If mm -hmm. if we can hear some uh, like the connection between the two, how do you feel that they compare? Are there different feelings when when you paint and play uh, music? Or I think when is you it the same outlet. I think the expression that you um, put in art is very similar to to music, and mm. um, it's also like an what I've learned, and it took me a while, but I, I realized that when I make music, I, I I I make it the same way I make sculptures, or when I, I was painting more before, um, that it, it's kind of you're you're building something. You you have something in uh, in your sights like a hole, uh, but you don't know what it is yet. You kind of mm -hmm. have to work your way towards it, and um, that might mean in music you use like a three sus chords just to get you there, or in 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 painting, maybe you you know you kind of put a limitation to yourself that okay I'm not going to show the whole face because that would give it too much away that would you know be too 
cliche or mm-hmm. something or or like a sculpture like yeah i could make it in marble but maybe i should make it in cardboard instead and that will yeah. be more interesting that's how i <laughs> right. think at least mm. um, i think it's very similar for me i have to chime in on that that uh, I, I always go from the perspective of uh, limitations mm. or the, the that's how i plan anything i create like in in, in which area am i going to work and then if it turns out that i'm kind of you know going across uh, the boundaries later in the process that's no problem but it's just good to start out i think to have a to have the grasp uh, some kind of grasp of what the concept is yeah um it's like uh it, now I, I don't really fully recall but the instrumentation on these songs um how how is it a full band or is it her alone uh on uh, the first song uh, i think it's just the guitar might be somewhere yeah. in the background, but it's yeah. the guitar that's really like drives it forward. Mm-hmm. The, the acoustic guitar, just basically. But she has so many different. When she plays it live, she moves the capo, and you know, so there's so many different renditions yeah. of the song. The second song, then she starts alone, and the band just comes in later. But I don't think there's any drums in it. Okay. <laughs> so you don't know any members credited? No, sadly not. No. Well, I, fi- I think uh, on, on Johnny Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I think Leland Scalar is playing uh, bass with her uh, here mm-hmm. and there. I know that Pastoris played bass with her later when she went more into the, the world music scene and started mm-hmm. playing more jazz and things in the later 70s and 80s. Leland Scalar came up last night too, before yeah. Atomic Swing. I just bought the Spectrum album by Billy Cobham. This drummer supergroup, and uh, it's Leland Sklar on bass. I realized it's a yeah. great lineup: Tommy Bolin on guitar, <laughs> Leland Sklar on bass, and then uh, John Hammer, you know, Miami Vice guy mm. on wow. keys, and then Billy Cobham. So yeah, that's a, that's a strong recommend right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, but it, it is this, the studio musicians, musicians, you know, like also played with this um, uh, Laurel Country, uh, Laurel uh, Canyon. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. People, you know, like you, they had yeah. the absolute best of the best on yeah. these records, and I guess, like you know, they parted together. And well, I don't know. I'm just uh, yeah. imagining sitting here yeah, in my he cold studio, everyone, imagining you know, a warm Los Angeles, oh, California. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. It's very gloomy here in Stockholm too. Yeah. Okay, do you have the same weather? This kind of super autumn weather. Um, pretty much. Uh, it's not so like, cold actually. It's pretty uh, outside, but it's colder in the studio for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the do-it-yourself attitude of, of, of the Netherlands. Yeah, you're cold, do it yourself. Solve it yourself, brother. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, going back to um, your riff there, um, yeah. tell me, tell yeah, me let's, more. Let's re- refresh also by listening to it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's a nice riff. Super nice.
Yeah, it's a beautiful riff. Yeah, it is. Really melancholy. Works works well for a day like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we have more on this one, or uh, what's what's the status here? Well, I, I would just like to say that it really works as a riff. I mean, it, because um, I think the, the what I use kind of as a measuring, or how can you say, um, deciding on whether a riff is a riff is if if it yeah. indeed works by itself. You know, if it's interesting enough to listen without uh, the the singing or the instrumentation or the 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 context, even though it should fit well into a context, but this is just like it, it tells the whole story by itself. It's like it's enough on itself, and that really makes it fantastic. And with this type of playing as well uh, that Isaac is doing is really combining melody and rhythm. So yep. it's like uh, for for me a complete <laughs> show. Like uh, I I don't need more. <laughs> <laughs> and we should you should if you can film it maybe and put it on the Instagram also would be his hands right moving back. across yeah. the neck that would be a good idea. Um, but I was just like uh, reminded also of this. Um, I mean, it, it kind of in, in pop music, uh, the guitar is often a rhythm guitar. Indeed, like it has um, it has that um, uh, that job, duty. To, uh, that duty mm. exactly. But here, uh, it's not a type of uh, you know. I was reminded of James Taylor. Uh, are you familiar? Oh yeah, uh, Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard him. Bjorn has played him. I'm not, so who's that guy? <laughs> uh, well, James Taylor, also part of the same gang, also played with Leland Skillar, or Leland Skillar played in his band. I mean, he took, uh, I think he took, he took fingerstyle uh, playing to a new, like, uh, emotional intensity. I mean, we, maybe we'll return to him, but um, similarly to Nick Drake, but on a totally different spectrum, but closer to what I'm hearing here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's but uh, Jonah Mitchell for sure. What what uh, master? Yeah, yeah. And I asked before um, if you had several riffs. Was it uh, is this a pure Johnny Mitchell feature, or do we have one more? Well, then I've got to start with another band. It depends on <laughs> yes, how long so you want to sit here. But, do, you, yeah. do you have yeah. one? Then yeah, I think yeah. We I, got... I think we should yeah. because we do have time. Okay. Recognize it, Ole? No, uh, but I I get this um, early eighties uh, feeling. I'm, I'm thinking new wave, but I don't know. It might be yeah, the wrong yeah, country. Yes. Uh, yeah, not uh, yeah. America. Br maybe a British band. Yeah, and it's I do know. Band. I do know since I'm here and since I know he's like yeah. that <laughs> on his arm. There's a tattoo. It's in this banana box font. Yes, it says simply Morrissey. Yeah, so maybe that's a clue. It could be a clue. All right, so guess I, the Smiths. It's the Smiths. It's the Smiths. Yeah, the song is "This Charming Man." Oh. Yeah, 
And the riff, fantastic riff. It's a great riff. riff. It sounds like a Koopa Troopa Beach, Mario Kart. Calypso feeling, right? It is. It's this high-life high uh, guitar. Yeah, play that first figure again. moves very nicely from that high position and then into that major chord uh, like a major uh, major G or major F sharp yeah I don't really know the chords yeah. in this I can but just play that it's cleverly written right yeah, and, and yeah. do you know who wrote it yeah Johnny Marr Johnny Marr the name of the guitarist in the Smiths and he was basically the band together with uh, with, with Morrissey uh, yeah and then it was uh, Mike uh, Joyce on drums and Andy Rourke on on bass. Because you told me at one time that <laughs> it is the contract for the band was signed, but not by the whole band. No. Only by... Uh, by, by Morris and Moore. Morris and Moore. There were only two lines. And then it turns <laughs> out that they have a lot of more rights than yeah. the others. <laughs> yeah. When it just happens to be. Yeah. That the guys, yeah. And What is even his first name, hell? Morrissey. Morrissey. Stephen Patrick. Stephen Patrick yeah, Morrissey. Yeah, but, but now it just goes by Morrissey. All right, so his yeah. passport, it says simply Morrissey. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> does he even need a passport? That's true, yeah. <laughs> does he really? He shouldn't have to have a passport. He just shows up. Yeah. yeah. So the Smiths, and we are in early 80s, are we? Yeah, we are. Uh, they started, I don't really know when they started, but early 80s for sure. The first uh, album came out in 83, mm -hmm. just called The Smiths. And this was one of their first, uh, first uh, singles. The first one is... Yeah, that's the first single. Cool, and uh, this <laughs> band still Ill. This band, when was the first time you heard? Oh, I heard them. I can actually remember perfectly the first time I heard this band. It was on uh, Musikbyrån. Did a special, the old Swedish music program. Oh, yeah. Did a special, yeah, hmm. uh, nice. with the uh, uh, live show. And I just sat there and was like, what is this? <laughs> wow, once again, props to old Swedish like uh, state TV yeah, because yeah. they brought us so much cool <laughs> stuff. Like I said, with uh, they've recorded several, uh, almost I think up, up to 10 mm -hmm. full Iron Maiden concerts, mm. broadcasted them perfectly <laughs> mixed. And that got people into metal back in 83 yeah, because yeah. they did the Dortmund special. And like half of the Gothenburg scene that we addressed before, they became metalheads on that night, mm, yeah. uh, watching Scorpions and Iron Maiden on, on state TV, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. directly from Dortmund, or mm. maybe not directly, but very quickly delivered. So that's a good way to get into bands, and props to yeah, for sure. Swedish TV for that. Indeed. And then you became a huge fan? Or? Yeah, yes. it was almost the only thing I listened to during my... <laughs> my teen years, yeah, right. so <laughs> Smiths and The Cure. your Iron Maiden so, or your Yeah, Metallica. yeah, my, my Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And yeah. I, I did listen to them a bit because my sister mm -hmm. uh, is a fan. Yeah, I heard her them from from the other room, so to say. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ole? Uh, I bought the first album because I thought it was uh, looked a lot like a dancing album. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> there is this like naked dude on the front with like yeah, it looks like he's, he's a muscular and he he could have the same dancing hair, 
but it's like it's fringe is covering his face. I was like, okay, there might be something here, <laughs> something that could be interesting. Tinted and, uh, dark no, I, I I I dug it. I think this um, uh, guitar playing is fantastic. Also, his very yeah. uh, soulful voice. I have to say uh, that I kind of emulated a bit when I was writing songs uh, when I was around around nineteen. Oh, go, <laughs> like this. It's almost uh, a crooner. The crooner style. style. Yeah. yeah. Right. I like that style too. And we've been on several crooner style vocalists already. Like uh, Jim Morrison, mm. definitely crooning. And Danzig. But Danzig is doing the metal crooning, I guess. <laughs> I uh, think I said Still Ill. It was Hand in Glove that was their first single. Hand in Glove, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then the, with this mm. charming man, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting title. Like, if I would guess, I would think that it's uh, maybe a title to be ambiguous. Like, it's a charming man, but is it really a good man? Or I haven't read the lyrics. The, you mean the lyrics? Well, yeah. this song starts. I would go out tonight, but I haven't. But I gotten. I haven't. Something about not having clothes to wear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's a charming man, or is he a bum? My pamper life's complexities when the leather runs smooth on the passenger seat. Um, so is he a bum? Is he a bum or is he just about wanting, I think it's more about wanting some, someone to just take care of you and just say that you're okay. Mm. And I think that's the theme of many of Smith's songs. Like it's, it's your band aid for the soul in a way. Like, ah, oh, you're okay. You're a bit different, but yeah, it's fine. So are we. Cool. Yeah. Good, <laughs> and good and I think that could be the same thing with Iron Maiden and like, yeah, you might be a freak. Yeah, exactly. What you're doing may not be seen as cool mm-hmm. to many, yeah. right? And I guess that goes for both bands, even though they're so different. Mm. And um, but I think they have like sort of the same background. Is it, are they like poor British yeah. lads? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe one of them misses had, had like a, have an absent father or something. Mm. Quite could, possibly, could be, could be. quite yeah. possibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds similar. Did they <laughs> brawl on the streets too? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's where nah, it differs. No, nah, Morris, he talks about his upbringing where he just walks around and just looks at people and doesn't really talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. No, that's where he starts to go on his own he path. He just sits home yeah. and writes lyrics. So that's the beginning of a yeah. band like the Smiths. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Johnny Moore was really, really outgoing guy, so, yeah. yeah. It's interesting with this observing perspective because Ole sent me the other, the other day um, this... Uh, meeting of old timers mm-hmm. in uh, Newcastle when the old timers are Brian Johnson from ACDC mm. and, uh, and then um, from Dire Straits you have um, Mark, Mark Knopfler. Knopfler of course mm. and Mark Knopfler says that as a, as a songwriter you're, you are an observer mm. and uh, you look at the world and you, you write and you, and you perform but if you become huge like don't stop doing it that way mm. but don't think that the world is now looking at you because your material will suffer mm. so that's what I think about when, I, when you told me that he was observing yeah that's how he was living because it's a typical good starting point for a songwriter to observe mm. and not be observed yeah yeah well it was interesting with mark Knopfler there he because he was talking about also observing what you see like not don't make up the story that you live in new york city when you live in uh well manchester or whatever you you sing about what you right. see uh yeah. in your immediate area uh, area and i think um uh, well, like Iron Maiden, I'm sure that Morrissey also sings about uh, stuff close to him. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, actually, on that one, la- okay, I promise, last Iron Maiden parallel, <laughs> but on that one, in the beginning, they didn't do that as much. Like, they didn't write from their own perspective. Or uh, let's say they tried and kind of failed and goofed a little bit because you had lines like, spend the night in an L.A. jail 
from a guy that had never been to Los Angeles, <laughs> you know. And then they, I think they got into what they really wanted to do, which was tell these old army stories and uh, fantasy stuff. And that's them writing completely from their perspective. So I think it may take some time for some bands to, I guess, dare to use their own voice. And, but maybe not for Morrissey. No, I don't think so. He's always been very straightforward with what he thinks. And yeah, like well, the whole uh, meat is murder thing that yeah, became he, big. He's under some controversy they're... right now. Yeah, he? but like I said, like he's always been under <laughs> controversy. Yeah. He made a song in the early 90s called uh, National Front Disco. <laughs> <laughs> Great title, though. Yeah. Great title. <laughs> Going to it's like uh, the, the dictators uh, with the master race rock. Mm. That was a uh, yeah. title, but I looked it up and the lyrics are awesome. I can get mm. behind them. <laughs> it's definitely not a, a Nazi rock no. song. And I, think, I don't think Morris is a Nazi either. And I would like to add on that. I talked to another Gainit for Ifs listener the other day. who is um, He's going to like this episode, I think, because he's on, he loves indie. Mm. His favorite episode so far, I think, was uh, with the Jay Maskis. Dinosaur Jr. Mm. Oh, okay. And, they, and he loves the Smiths, so he's probably having a good time right yeah, now. Yeah, and, uh, Hope, he, and he said that, I asked him, like, okay, so Morris's uh, politics, how are they? And he would say, like, yeah, he's not right-wing. Yeah, well, some days. Yeah. And other days, he could be, like, communist for a yeah. day. So, yeah. I, I would agree on that. He's straight vegan. You cannot serve any meat at his concerts. And mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is good for the crowd. The crowd likes that. But the crowd is not as much a fan of his turning politics. Uh, no, maybe not. But I don't know if it's a turn. Like, it just never came up back then. And mm-hmm. it wasn't such a big thing, maybe, in, in right, the 80s. Right, I don't right. know. Because Indy, for me, growing up in the late 90s, going into the, the new millennia, mm. Indy was always this vegan, left-wing mm, mm. type crowd. You know? Yeah. But maybe it wasn't in the 80s. In the early 80s, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no clue. Maybe they were much cooler. They were pretty cool. It's a mix of, you know, the post-punk and all that. They got some pretty hard riffs. I can try to play one. All right. Play the very first pattern again. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet as hell. Yeah. And that was, Yoni Mara said in an interview, that was what I used when I warmed up and then it became a song. Uh, that's, <laughs> so. that's sweet. How are you, how are you playing that? What? How are you playing that? It's capo on. Yep, yeah, picking and capo. which I shouldn't because Yoni Mara used a pick, but I, I never use a pick. So. No, and, I mean, <laughs> finger, picking is co- finger picking is cooler than picking. Which song is and it? Then it? It's called What Difference Does It Make? Yeah. 
Ole, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I was just like... Uh, dear listener, we're sitting in the same room, me and Isaac, so yeah, I, I need sitting. to call back, call him. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> I just had to I had to look it up. It sounded really <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. I like that. Um, Very nice. Uh, the pedal note uh, moves up uh, really uh, in a sweet way. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, w- I wanted to, you know, like okay, of course, like you say, like Morrissey takes a lot of attention. He's a bit like a Kanye West of uh, British indie music, right? He, like yeah, he, he ta- if he when he starts talking, comparison. he kind of sucks up all the air. But I want to hear a bo- little bit more about Johnny Marr. You know, uh, can you right, tell us something about right. him? Me too. Me too. Good uh, question. Well, what do you want to know? <laughs> I want to know <laughs> his, his, bio? His, bio? his bio. Yeah, he's also from Manchester. Uh, started playing guitar very young. He saw a guitar. He tells this story in many interviews when he walked past the window with a guitar and he just stood and stared at it and, and asked his mom again and again, I want a guitar, I want a guitar, I want a guitar. And then mm-hmm. he, he got the guitar. So he's, I, I would say he's semi self-taught because then he talks about going to these different sketchy places in Manchester to play with, with people and. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, that brings me to a question about you. Then, like, did you grow up in a house with a guitar in it? Uh, yeah, I right. Did. I would imagine that because yeah. it was this kind of collective house, wasn't it? Yeah, but we had our own flats. We're yeah, not that much of hippies. But you had you had neighbors <laughs> to play with at least. Yeah, yeah, I did. As did I actually, yeah. because I'm from that uh, mm. suburban style mm. housing. Yeah, uh, I mean, going back to to this last riff, mm. uh, that one is. Did you try that one early on, like, or did you pick no, it up now? No, I have never feature? like never ever been able to play many of uh, Smith songs before. I really sat down and like, oh, I want to do this. Right. So uh, when I hear the num, I can I couldn't emulate this. I mm, wouldn't try. It's mm. very rhythmical and a lot of notes. Mm. It's uh, oh, lays out. Oh, it's uh, surprisingly complex. Yeah, but YouTube is a great teacher. <laughs> yeah, mm. it is. Yeah. Ole, are you back? Uh, yeah, I dropped out a little bit there. Yeah. I was looking at yeah. uh, my internet went down because I was looking at images of Johnny Marr, and he looks like a mix yeah. of Al Pacino, Sylvester Stallone, and uh, Liam Gallagher. Yeah, really yeah. Cool Gallagher once dude. stole a guitar from Johnny Marr, and oh, he, he never gave it back. Yeah, but Johnny Marr doesn't really want to talk about that anymore. He, oh. he, he let it okay. go. <laughs> he cut his loss. Right? Yeah, cut his losses. <laughs> he didn't, didn't pursue that well, further. Maybe it was no. It was one of the Gallagher brothers. All right. Yeah. yeah. And is he similar age and background as compared to Morrissey? Marr. Mm, I think Marr is a few years younger. Okay. Maybe two years, something like that. But the bass player and uh, Mar had played uh, before in mm-hmm. other bands. Do you know anything about their working methods, like uh, say between him and, and Morrissey? Is he starting with riffs? Or is yeah, yeah, I I know this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. so how is it? Yeah, Mar starts with making a song and then hands it over to, to Morrissey, mm-hmm. who's got plenty of lyrics and... And right. Mar gets surprised by where where he sings in the song. Like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to sing ah, yeah. there. I was expecting you to sing on this riff. I like I notice when I I like when that happens. When mm. I send songs now to singers, mm. I, I tend to give them only the lyrics mm. and not like verse one, mm. verse two, and so forth. And it's fun to see where will they put mm. them mm. Uh, if I write the lyric. That is, and if they write the lyric, I tend to give them zero instructions. Yeah, like do whatever you want here. It's a good way to write. 
we talked about this uh, before also, or like we're going to talk about it uh, next week with our next episode, but like how you write songs in a band, you know, like how okay. um, uh, are you, you know, like totally a, a dictatorship or are you sharing the duties? But here it's like an interesting in between maybe when you when you write something and you have the full, full like... Um, uh, you have the full control, and then you like hand over your baby to someone who totally uh, gets the chance to change it. That's a very interesting way of doing it. Uh, yeah. Very brave, I think, from uh, Johnny Mars' perspective. Yeah, I think they had a really close connection back back then. Okay. Uh, yeah, there there are rumors that Morrissey was in love with Moore and things like that. I don't know if <laughs> if that is to be. Such rumors are good yeah, for bands, yeah, though. Yeah, like yeah. if I started a new band and I really wanted to become big, mm. I'd like to start up rumors. Are they sisters, brothers, <laughs> robots, lo- lovers, robots, <laughs> Martians? The Martian yeah. has retuned the guitar. <laughs> oh, it's that Martian again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's clearly like feeling inferior when he picks up the guitar yeah, and he can't yeah. play it. And then he blames it on you know, Mitchell being yeah, a Martian. She's weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's her fault mm, for sure. <laughs> what a dick. No, not really. Uh, he's a cool guy. I think Nash. Did you say Nash? Mm. Oh, he's the least, I think it's Nash. He's the least cool of them, though. Mm. Our house. It's a very, very, very fine house. <laughs> it's the least cool. In. Yeah, anyway, tangent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the Smiths, I think uh, you are onto something there, Ole. Because, okay. like, the drummer, he he was a punk drummer, a guy they know. And he played punk drums. <laughs> and nobody tried to stop him from doing that. And the bass player just make his lines, and they're amazing, too. They got a really good... Often, if you look up uh, Smiths on YouTube, it often says, I'm most underrated bassist okay, <laughs> in cool. the comments. So. And was he your hero bass player when you started basing? Mm, maybe, but like I've said many times, I would not, like before at least now, I almost can play stuff, but that I would prefer to play bass in, in The Cure because it was easier. Right. <laughs> and more like uh, ambient and bigger sounds. They share quite a bit of fans, right? They like do, but they don't like each other. Of course, <laughs> of course. Why, why should I? I prefer that they are yeah. enemies. It's cool. I try to look up, like, why don't they like the it? Mac- the I McDonald's and the Burger King. Yeah, I, I think it is. In the rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the, what could it be? I don't know. Uh, uh, I think that Robert Smith of The Cure eat meat. And, uh, yeah, I don't so know. he's, he's the Burger King. And Morris is vegan McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's pretty much it. Bean burger. The vegan McDonald's of, of rock music. Mm-hmm. That's Morrissey. But they recorded quite few, uh, quite a few albums. The few years they were playing, they broke up in '86, '87, something, and they got at least eight records. I'm saying now, off top of my head, but mm. not all of them are like record records because they had this deal with BBC or something that they just could use their their studio. So there's lots of outtake records too, like in between records. They're not record records it's mm-hmm. just a mashup of, of songs and, yeah. they're also good yeah. yeah and Ulle did you check out anything more or just the, mm-hmm. the debut album um, yeah, but I know the like uh, I know there's a light that never goes out that song yeah. um, some other big songs I think uh, <laughs> okay, okay. It's it's just like I can just give you a uh, give you a title, a couple of words, and there, there's a riff starts playing. I like that. Uh, yeah. But 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still like I'm thinking. I'm, I'm sitting here like listening to you, which is kind of nice. I'm like noodling on this. Um, uh, what difference does it make? A riff that mm. really stood out for me here, um, and as, as I'm really like uh, interested in going back uh, and listening to this band. But I, I think also coming out like the '80s is such an interesting um, guitar era. It's mm. so much stuff going on. That is so different. Like you, you have one line. It's like this. Well, the me- the metal is getting either more and more aggressive or more and more poppy. And then the guitar playing that's on the side, the indie, like indie, is really like you know its own space where stuff mm-hmm. is happening. And uh, but there, there is uh, like the Cure. But I'm, I'm thinking of even more like unknown bands like Vipers or Slint. Uh, like this guitar based bands uh, Melvin's coming out there also being um, taking the guitar into like un- uncomfortable territories even um, and uh, yeah right. the, but the Smiths I've, it, there's so much melody here also and a lot of finger picking interesting yeah, um, yeah. Um, that that also has yeah, a place I mean also in, in a very um, yeah I don't know <laughs> I'm thinking a lot here I have time to, to think when I don't talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's healthy for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I like the three people format too. Mm. And the immediacy of riffs coming out. Here we got another one. Ah, it's so hard to play this because it's different every time you go around the bar. It's different. I see. Uh, with tiny little. And which song would that be? That's back to the old house. And then it goes. I don't remember, right. but it's a really also okay. finger picking, very slow. Um, but but to to ground the episode a little bit here yeah. in the end, if you yeah. would, uh, uh, Isaac, if you would compare Jonah Mitchell's playing style and uh, g- uh, mm. songwriting to uh, the songwriting of Johnny Marr and Morrissey, do you see any uh, connections there, or is it? I like, can see uh, connections yeah. with uh, if Johnny Marr speaks about just tuning his guitar in a complete strange tuning that he's never played in before and just trying to find the the right sound that he feels mm. right mm-hmm. feel is right right now and yeah so sure just testing the boundaries of what a guitar can do and yeah yep. maybe and also what you can do as a songwriter and yeah, how yeah. many sus chords you can have mm-hmm. or how mm-hmm. how weird yeah. you can have your mm-hmm. sequence because that's yeah. what I really like about indie which is completely comparable to metal mm-hmm. is that you don't really, you don't really care about mm. the, the the guidelines of how to compose yeah. or the guidelines of how to play your instrument. You just try and go straight for the straight for the expression. I think that's completely in common mm. with those two yeah. genres, and yeah. I happen to be a big fan of that approach. This is one of my favorite Johnny Moore little riffs too. Name? Uh, that's uh, that joke isn't funny anymore. Okay, good it's name too. too. Too close to the bone, and it's too near to home, or something. Goes the lyrics. All right, uh, good title. N- yeah, yeah it's, it's a good song. <laughs> but he really likes these sus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then you have another comparison. Yeah. Sussing, yeah. sussing yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, sus is a very it's a chord with tension in mm-hmm. it. 
So that's why maybe you are not allowed to do two in a row, but why not? <laughs> yeah, more, that's it. Why not? It's like <laughs> five string arpeggios, six string arpeggios. <laughs> People kept telling me to slow down. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Ingrid Malmsteen adding more strings to his yeah, arpeggio. More is more. Two string arpeggio, three <laughs> string arpeggio, five string arpeggio, six string arpeggios, five Porsches, <laughs> 20 white Blackmore strats. I have the I have the perfect ending for this episode. I think it just should just like um, the vo it, it should just fade out <laughs> during five <laughs> minutes because I think this is uh, yeah. I think we're reaching the end of the episode yeah, actually. I just play and talk at the same time and then we'll yeah, yeah. it is a good ending actually. Let's do it like that. Yeah. Dear listener, thanks for listening. Gain it for guests. Gain it for guests. Isaac Eklund, thank you so much for joining us here in the yeah. studios. Amsterdam yeah, awesome. has never felt further away, closer to Stockholm than today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or further away. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, the riff has to continue. And yeah, thanks, dear listener, for sticking with us, hanging out with us. It's been great over here, so I hope it's been great over there, wherever you Indeed are. Indeed, it has. Uh, if you like what you hear, please tell your friends, please tell your girlfriend, please tell your children, tell your mother, tell your grandfather about Gain It for Guests. Uh, Gain It for Riffs, of course. Tell your uncle, tell your cousin as well. Cousins, they always trade music. Tell your cousin. That would be my last words. So, Jonathan signing out. Bye-bye. Hello. Bye-bye. See you next week. Ciao.